The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's just feeling a little bit out of time. Welcome, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I do. <laughs> Why, thank you. Let me introduce your co-host. A man who... Didn't I watch this movie already? <laughs> Does feel like it, doesn't it? Exactly. Except there's different people in this. True. Welcome, Drew. Yeah, I have been getting this weird deja vu feeling. Thank goodness this is the Matrix, so that means they would have changed something. Yeah. Except this was technically first. True. And the one we're thinking of came out, what, five years later? Roughly five years. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, tonight we're going to be reviewing Ultimate Avengers, the the movie, movie, which bears a bit of a resemblance to Marvel's The Avengers. The first one from the MCU. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's based on literally the same story, which I did not realize so I was doing some research. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, that's what we're going to be reviewing tonight. So, Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, did work. What did I do this weekend? Oh, yeah, I went to a banquet. That was fun. You uh, mean the Christmas in August? Yes, that banquet. Yes. Kind of a banquet. Kind, kind of, of a banquet. Christmas party? Christmas because Christmas preview party? Well, that's the thing. Every other department has their Christmas party in December. Yeah. Around Christmas. We're too busy to have Christmas party then. That's why we have ours in August. True. Which was for the tech crew and the worship team and mm. choir, choir and, uh-huh. and all that. All us knuckleheads. Right. Who are too busy during the rest of the year to actually have our own Christmas party outside mm. of the one in August. Hmm. They had uh, good barbecue. They have a very good barbecue. Extremely agreed. Um, yeah, uh, work's been work. Uh, had to do some banking earlier. That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I think lesson learned in a lot of ways with me. Because uh, you live and learn. You live and learn. You you know don't get the pens. No, you get loves. Yeah. Definitely not loves. No. Definitely You're a little not. big for that. Yeah, a little bit. That's why I said depends. Mm. Yeah, but. That's in the yeah. Way. Either way, either moving way. on. Moving on. How are you, Drew? I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's been a been an interesting week. I too went to that uh, Christmas in August, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much had a nice little relaxing weekend. That's good. Uh, so uh, I do have another question for you, though. Mm. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? Uh, so. Uh, for some of our listeners have noticed that we we review we reacted to Dragon Ball Super Superheroes. Yes. Yeah. That released yesterday. Good. So before that, we would uh, I I was like I haven't seen the the Broly movie the the super version right and uh, Drew was kind enough to let me borrow it and so I watched it prior to on that Friday because we read it on Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched it prior to going and doing the reaction for Superhero. And uh, I rewatched it because I hadn't seen it since I saw it in a theater. Mm. Yeah, and you're completely right. Be like, be like, it's got good story buildup. Mm-hmm. It's got it doesn't take it takes a different approach than the traditional Bro- Broly movie does. 
it's not spoiler for the original Dragon Ball Z Broly film. That would be uh, Broly the Legendary Super Saiyan. Yeah. Along with the return of Broly and Bio Broly, I think is the name of all three of those. Right. Right. The, of which only the first one is worth watching. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. Where I think it was originally because Broly would get mad because he would hear Kakarot or Goku. Goku cry when they were little and he couldn't sleep. Yes. And so now, like, anytime he hears Goku talk, like, he just goes berserk. <laughs> which is just weird. That was weird. Now, in this one, they actually made it more like they, they flesh out the mythology and all that yeah. good stuff. And uh, well, what they did is like every little extra thing that Akira Toriyama did after Z finished mm-hmm. that actually ex- made explanations involving like the Saiyans and such, they included because uh, there actually is a manga that is canon called Dragon Ball Minus mm. that actually shows uh akira toriyama's version of essentially bardock the father of goku mm. the other time they've showed you know the saiyan planet actually getting destroyed yeah except this time uh they actually had a i think a better well-written thing even though anyway it's beside the point but yeah that chapter is included in the uh, manga collection for Jocko, the Galactic Patrolman, which is also Dragon Ball, mm. even though you wouldn't know it by that name. Interesting. Because it was intentionally not tied to that until like the last chapter. Mm. But anyway. Yeah, so we did that. We reacted to Super uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. That was interesting. Go yes. and check out our reaction on that. Um, it was definitely a different style of Dragon Ball movie. Yeah. And oddly enough, I was having a conversation with a fellow with a fellow coworker where I work at, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about animation. And anime got brought up, as it does, as it does. And she be like, she doesn't even like animation. She just likes to be like, if it's real, I like it. If it's cartoons, I don't like it. I understand that that outset, even though it does limit you to out of some good stuff. Agreed. She she went on to say that uh, anime was just weird. I don't get it. It's weird. It. I can maybe see that. I agree. And I think her her boyfriend just recently like it was she it came to a, of a revelation that her boyfriend likes anime. He's like, oh, you're just weird. I don't get it. <laughs> well, if you don't get it, look into it. Maybe you will find something you like. It is still entertainment. Yeah, agreed. But anyway. Right. And also I mentioned I have two friends who are very much Utakus. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, that is basically all I've been watching. How about you? Well, along with Broly, because I rewatched that, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, uh, superhero. When we uh went over, when I went over to Chase's, because you took a fourth week off in a row. Yeah, I was a little tired. You've been a little tired a lot recently. <laughs> uh. We uh, had a new person there. Really? And uh, apparently he's not watched a lot of anime. Mm. And so, of course, he got shown a lot of... He got a crash course. Oh, fun. So we started him off with the first episode of Konosuba, which is the least funny episode of Konosuba. It's where it's still trying to be serious. Poor, poor soul. Yes. And then 
first episode of Trigun. Mm. And then the first episode of uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Oh. So yeah, that's what you missed. Uh. Uh, but then uh, also, of course, I watched another episode of Ultra Q about a giant spider in a mansion. That was interesting. Mm. And then uh, I apparently did not realize that it was easy for me now to watch Power Rangers. Okay. Like new episodes of Power Rangers. Because I hadn't watched any of the stuff that I didn't realize they were on Netflix. Okay. Basically. I knew some of them were on Netflix, but for whatever reason, I just hadn't looked into it. So I have started watching through Power Rangers Dino Fury, the current series. Right. That is actually a pretty good show. Hmm. It's, it is cheesy, like you would expect of oh, Power yeah. Rangers, but it's actually good cheese. Hmm. It's actually well thought out, well, well thought out plot lines. I say that like there's not been well thought out plot lines in Power Rangers right. before. There have been lots, but there's also been a lot of, this was made to sell sell toys kind of uh, thought process behind the behind it too right but uh yeah this was i actually enjoyed the, the first two episodes of that i've seen i think it's done very well i'll probably finish it i understand there is some cameos coming up both from past heroes and one past villain that definitely was not in the Sentai that this is mm. adapted from. Right. It's a little impossible for him to be in the Sentai since he wasn't created for the Sentai. Right. But uh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Interesting. Um other than that, uh I was watching something else. Did I talk about Devil's a part timer last week? I yes, you I did. did. You did. Okay, then I won't bring that up again. Uh outside of that. Right. But yeah, I think that's it that I have watched this week. Uh, so, uh, Jacob, what do we got in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why thank you, Dealit, and getting starting off. Uh, I'm just gonna say, be like, apparently Warner Brothers is laying the axe firm oh. in a lot of projects. They have lost their ever loving minds. Yeah, agreed. So, in general, before you get into the specifics, okay, especially related to animation, uh, HBO Max. Well, about a year ago, uh. Warner Brothers and Discovery merged mm-hmm. Discovery Communications, and uh, they kind of been leaving everything alone. But you know, you had HBO Max that was doing all of Warner Brothers stuff, and then Discovery had Discovery Plus, which was handling all the Discovery stuff. So, of course, at some point, in order to reduce redundancies, they were going to have to merge the two services at some point. Mm-hmm. Granted, Disney never did that with Hulu <laughs> for whatever reason, yeah. but. That's this is how Warner Brothers and Discovery are handling this is they're trying to merge the two services. And apparently along with that, they are doing a lot of cost cutting measures across the board, making it to where stuff that you can only watch on HBO Max is no longer available. And they've scrubbed a lot of social media clean of any mention of these things, almost like they're trying to erase history 
about these shows. But continue on because you're gonna. I'm assuming gonna mention a couple yeah. of these. Well, there's the uh, the first one that got the axe early on. I think it was Batgirl. Yeah, you know, Batgirl that got movie. It, that that you know it's it's a full it's a live action film that mm-hmm. was going to go to HBO Max. And it ha- was going to have Michael Keaton return as Batman. Yeah, and Ben Affleck as Batman. And, and they had gotten permission from Danny Elfman to reuse the original music. Jeez. Yeah. And it was what ninety five percent done. Yeah, yeah. It had had some rewrites and uh, maybe a little bit more than normal. And maybe there is a slight chance it might have been you know Catwoman in quality but we'll now never know uh, you never know at the moment we'll now never know yeah exactly but just like oh my gosh and then it just got worse me like they they scrapped the uh every day it was like what new thing has been shot in the head true <laughs> they, they scrapped the the uh, scoob sequel yeah which was going to hbo max uh i just recently uh you know through the through the research uh yeah that's just it, like it's just they they scrapped they scrapped batman cape crusader which was being helmed by uh uh bruce tim mm-hmm. and jj abrams. abrams that was a that was a a big thing people were looking forward to to yeah. some degree long as jj only made one movie and didn't try to make two <laughs> it's like i've always said jj abrams is good at asking questions he's horrible at answering them mm. But anyway, but yeah, there, there's been a ton of scrappage there's on like the, a the... lot of cartoon, cartoon network shows that because of the strange way the rights are handled, they cannot be streamed at this point. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. One of them is apparently something that was been, I think it's called infinity train. Yeah. That was like critically acclaimed. Really? Like everyone in their, and was, was like cl- clamoring for this thing. I hadn't heard of it just yeah. because I haven't been keeping up with Cartoon Network shows myself and it's not come up on our show. Yeah. So I heard about this. It's like, oh, this show is gone. That might have been interesting. I don't know anything about it. Mm. But still, even if it was complete dog poo, I still don't see why you delete this stuff from existence. I mean, to some degree, I understand the reasoning behind Batgirl because they're trying there. It's some kind of insurance deal. Like if they can't release it, uh, their insurance money kicks in. They get some money, some money back to make up that. Yeah. Which is sucks by the way, but I at least get it. But why delete stuff that's already air on going on? on that, that's you that, that they could air on the network. Yeah. Why is that getting deleted? Why is stuff that's just, back catalog stuff just like okay we're deleting that i don't understand that part at all Mm. anyway it's weird it's weird even if it is complete garbage of course i'm the guy who says they ought to release the star wars holiday special on disney plus (laughs) and just be done with it because i have no one i don't believe there's i believe you should own up to your garbage and besides they put the ewok movies out there you can put out the holiday special in that instance agreed but anyway what other news we got? Uh, one second. Delete. Yeah, apparently, uh, Paramount Plus, uh, is actually doing. They're doing a series of movies that is based off the, uh, uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And well, I mean, they're always doing that. Yeah, they're the pair. I think they're doing. These are going to focus on the villains, which could be interesting. The they're fact doing that, that they actually put the names Eastman and Laird in the title, yeah. Makes me think, oh, 
are we basing this on the actual comic books? Mm. Like adapting those stories instead of, you know, making new stories that are kind of sort of based on right. it, but still kid shows. Yeah. Is this going to be some gritty Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff from like the eighties, but made into animation? Right. I have no idea. Right. It'd be cool if it was. That would be interesting. Other than that, let's go back to the top of it. Um, Get some guts and do that. True. (laughs) So Scooby-Doo is coming out with a new movie. Okay. Uh, Unlike Scoob, that got scrapped. Uh, That was kind we liked that movie, I Mm -hmm. think, but it was not, it was not as good as some others. I would agree. I completely agree. I had, I had some problems with that film as well. Uh, so Scooby-Doo or Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo uh, will be uh, on digital on November November 4th and DVD on October 18th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trick, or Treat, uh, Trick, or, uh, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo will be available to own on digital uh, for $14.99 or on, and on a DVD, which for some reason it's not going to Blu-ray, which is weird. Kids stuff um, sells better on DVD than Blu-ray. That is true. Parents are more likely to buy a, a $10 DVD than a $20 Blu-ray of the same film. Right. For $19.98. And kids don't complain about that poor quality. True. Anyway. All right. Uh, so another uh, Blu-ray DVD release is coming out fairly shortly. It's a movie we just reviewed. Uh, Super Pets. Uh, DC, uh, DC League of Super Pets uh, will be available on premium digital ownership at home on august 25th on august 23rd uh at a price of 24.99 for a 48 hour relief uh rental that is a lot of money for a rental mm-hmm. yeah our let's see the film also will be available for 4k UHD Blu-ray and DVD on October 4th and on movies anywhere. So going back to another film, we just, we just talked about it a minute ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We reacted to, so go check that out. Uh, Dragon Ball super superhero. Uh, It's killing it in theaters right now. Yeah. For, for what is it? A three day release, a three week, three. It's a quick release. Yeah. I don't know exactly how long, but yeah, well, this is really the first wide release anime since Disney quit putting out the Ghibli stuff. Agreed. Over here. So yeah, I mean, of course it's doing great. It's like, oh, look, this super popular franchise that people our age watched when we were kids is having a movie in a theater. Let's go watch it. Yeah. So according to, where was it? According to the distributor, uh, the feature has brought over $20.1 million to the domestic box office in its opening weekend with 3,230 locations available. Uh, the new Dragon Ball performed strongly against Universal's Idris Elba Man Against Lion Thriller Beast, which made over $11.7 million in the first three days in 370 370 uh 370 uh, yeah that many theaters <laughs> a ton of theaters a lot of theaters mm-hmm. uh so yeah a, a dragon ball movie is doing very well here in here in america it's almost like if it's actually based on the actual manga and not trying to make a random 
martial arts film that happens to include Dragon Ball elements that you might actually do well. Isn't that amazing? Who Fox. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have for info and stuff. I will say this one last thing before we move on about yeah. the HBO debacle. Yeah. Someone pointed out to uh, earlier today on on Facebook that said, uh, you know, suddenly the plot of Space Jam, A New Legacy, about an AI who hates co- uh, cartoon characters, mm. doesn't seem out of place now. It seems oddly <laughs> prophetic. Anyway. Kind of agree. Kind let, of agree there. Let's go ahead and move on to the spoiler-free section yeah. of our review of Ultimate Avengers, the movie. Certified fresh and spoiler free. This is my first viewing, and I will admit that a lot of the reason this got put on the list originally, because this was put on before our last Marvel movie that we put mm-hmm. on there, um, I put it on the list because I'd noted that we had done a lot of DC movies, mm-hmm. but we hadn't done a, as many Marvel movies. Right. And I felt to some degree we needed to rectify that. The problem was. I had no idea what good Marvel movies there were. So I did a quick Google search and found, oh, the animated, the Marvel animated universe is based on the ultimate uh, line is very well received. Well, let's go ahead and go with the first one and see where that goes. All right. And that's where we started here with ultimate Avengers, the movie. And this is the first time I've actually watched it. Yeah. And despite the fact that, (laughs) I knew most of the story kind of going into it because I'd seen Avengers. Um, and this is a very similar story since it's based on the same comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually very enjoy, I enjoyed this a lot, actually. There's some things in there I didn't like, and I suspect they're the kind of things that I would not have liked about the Ultimate Comics in the first place. Right. But, I mean, this was still a very well-done, fun movie. I, I enjoyed it. I would actually... Uh, suggest going out and finding you a copy of this which is very hard right now actually you can buy this on amazon for a pretty decent price well i was actually on amazon before before we started the broadcast be like to buy it on blue right now it's unavailable you can buy it on dvd right now did you check the eight film collection that includes these three films plus the rest of the universe no i didn't because i think that's where it's mostly being sold now oh okay that makes sense but in the collection I bought, yeah. it's uh, it, I'll admit, that is hard to find. Yeah. I think this one came from a third-party reseller, and the only reason I bought this version and not the eight-film set was because I didn't realize these films were in the eight-film set because mm. I could not find a listing anywhere of what films were in that set. I gotcha. So, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I'll double-check that while you're giving your spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, Well, this is my first time watching this film. And my brother, Jim, uh, being the comic nerd he is, uh, was like, dude, you got to watch these films. These are so good. And so I, I took a look at the cover. It's like, nah, I don't want to watch this. Doesn't look, doesn't look at my alley. So I've watched. And then I said, hey, we're doing this movie, whether you like it or not. Exactly. So it kind of forced me to watch something. I was like, eh, I'm not interested. Okay, I'll watch it. Um, so I've watched a few of the, I think it's part of this universe. Uh, like Hulk, Hulk versus Wolverine, or Wolverine versus Hulk. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if those were a part of this or if they were separate. I'll admit right. that. Yeah, but either or, 
either or. I think I've seen a few of these and they were interesting. Uh, my first viewing, I was it was okay. It was a pretty good film. Uh, it wasn't something that I'm gonna like. Oh my gosh, you gotta rewatch this again. Uh, I'm. It's it's good. It's decent. Uh, I, I like Drew said before. It's one of those films that you you watch and be like, if you watched uh Marvel's The Avengers film from '09, mm-hmm. uh, it's like okay, you got a lot of the same vibes from this movie. So yeah, it's like yeah, it's 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 a pretty good film. Pretty good. I'm not gonna say great, but pretty good. As Drew says, stereotypes. Well, I'm looking this up because I want to be honest with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there it is. Well, it's not currently available on Prime Video, even though the listing is there. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, this is the one I've, I bought. Yeah. The three movie set. And it's currently, and it's currently unavailable. I may have bought the last one. Uh, Probably. Purchase. Uh, there was an eight movie set in this There universe. is somewhere. There it is. That's six. Hang but on, either me... or. I'm sure the rights on this are crazy. Yeah. With it stuck between Lionsgate and Marvel. Yes. Okay, eight film complete collection is $45 on DVD. Wow. And Just... $75 on Blu-ray. Wow. So, yeah, this is... They are really not showing these off, uh, pushing these at the moment. Well, give it time. Maybe it'll, maybe this is them slowly transitioning over to being on Disney instead of Lionsgate. Right. Who knows? Right. We got at least three movies to start with, and we are doing the first one now. Right. Um, yeah, it's like, it's an, it's an okay of a film. It's, it's decent. It's got some good action. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. So uh, I guess for now, uh, join us on the other side of the bumpers and we'll get to spoiling these. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Geek Devotions. Geek Devotions is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They are not just a podcast. They are an entire network of shows, podcasts, and YouTube videos that are designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. They produce a weekly geek culture-infused devotional. There is their podcast, ComTalk. There's another podcast where they read books, allegedly. There's also another podcast where uh, they look through the Gundam Watch. And uh, if you're into, if you like movies, just like we do, you can check out them reviewing bad movies over at the bottom shelf. So uh, you can find all their content and more uh, at uh, geekdevotions.com. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon.
following is a spoiler-filled review for Ultimate Avengers the movie. Listener discretion is advised. Ultimate Avengers the movie was directed by Kurt Jeta, who also animated episodes of The New Batman Adventures, Superman the Animated Series, and Batman Beyond. Hmm. So yeah, he's got a pretty decent pedigree. Sounds like it. Uh, it was also directed by Stephen E. Gordon, who did Wolverine and the X-Men, and Bob Richardson, who did Spider-Man the Animated Series. Hmm. It was also written by uh, Greg Johnson, Boyd Kirkland, and Craig Guile. Hmm. Craig Kyle, not Kyle. Guile. This isn't Street Fighter. Right. Getting into the cast, we've got Justin Gross playing Captain America and Steve Rogers. And uh, in the Ninja Gaiden series of games, he played Ryu Hayabusa. Hmm. Greg Griffin played uh, Janet Pym and the Wasp. And she was the voice of RC in the live action Transformers movies. Really? Both uh, the Revenge of the Fallen, is that the name of the second mm-hmm. one? And Bumblebee. Huh. The two times she appeared. Oh, okay. Uh, Michael Massey played Bruce Banner. And in a in The Crow, he played a character named Funboy. Interesting. Yeah, I've not watched The Crow. And I'm I, curious I've... why the character is named Funboy. I don't know. I've, I think I've seen like little bits here and there of that film. Mm. But I keep hearing it's really good. That's what I've heard. Uh, Fred Tadasior was the voice of both the Hulk and Edwin Jarvis. The only one of these that's actually two different people when it's mm-hmm. split. Uh, he was the voice of Solomon Grundy in Batman The Long Halloween. Huh. Uh, Mark Warden was the voice of Iron Man and Tony Stark. And in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he played... Alexander Roshenko, the son of Worf. Hmm. Olivier D'Abo played Black Widow, a.k.a. Natalia Romanoff. Hmm. Not Natasha. Yeah, Natalia. That Natalia, is... that threw me. Yeah. And in Star Wars The Clone Wars, she played uh, a Jedi Knight by the name of Luminara Unduli. Hmm. Nan McNamara played Dr. Betty Ross. And in the 2019 Hawaii Five-0, yeah, I thought that show came out sooner than not tw- early, earlier than 2019. Yeah. Anyway, she played Mara. Hmm. Uh, Nolan North was the voice of Giant Man and hmm. Hank Pym, and he is most well known for playing Nathan Drake in the Uncharted video games. Mm-hmm. Andre Ware was the voice of Nick Fury, and he played Joshua Brown in Red Dead Redemption Two. David Boat was the voice of Thor, and in The Good Dinosaur, he was the voice of Bubba. Hmm. I think that was one of the T-Rex dinosaur cowboys. Anyway, uh, Jim Ward played Er Kleischer, and he was Captain Quark in uh, the Ratchet and Clank uh, games Mm -hmm. and movie. And then James Arnold Taylor was the voice of Bucky. Really? And he's most well known for playing Tidus. Hmm. In Final Fantasy X. What was the actor's name again? James Arnold Taylor. He's also the voice of Ratchet in Ratchet and Clank. Really? Yes. And Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Clone Wars. Really? Yes. But he is the one who's got the most infamous laugh in video game history. Yeah. Which I may be inserting here, especially since I gotta go back through and edit this manually. Anyway. (laughs) Getting into the Kingdom Hearts connections. D. Bradley Baker was additional voices in this, mm-hmm. and he was Waka in Kingdom Hearts. 
James Arnold Taylor, who played Bucky, was both the prince from Cinderella, or mm. was it Snow White? I don't. It didn't say specifically. And Captain Cinderella. Jack Sparrow in Kingdom Hearts. Really? Mm-hmm. Keith Ferguson, who is addition of voices here, plays Marluxia in Kingdom Hearts. Quentin Flynn, who is addition of voices here, is both Axel and Lee in Kingdom Hearts. David Boat, who was Thor, is uh, Alias and Lexius in Kingdom Hearts. And Fred Tadasior, who was Hulk and Edward and Jarvis, played Kevin and Clue in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. And if some of those names from the Kingdom Hearts did not sound familiar, keep listening to the to Untangling Kingdom Hearts. We will be getting to those names soon. Hmm. So yeah, uh, that's the end of what of the cast and crew list. What do we got in info and stuff? All right. So info and stuff. This movie has an eight point eight out of ten on IMDW. Pretty impressive, right? IMDb. IMDb. It's pretty impressive. Uh, it's available to watch on Disney Plus. Uh, production was by Marvel Studios, distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. No, it re- released on May 4th, no, 2012. Box office. It Hang made on. A- <laughs> Slow down. You have. I- I'm trying to help you here. It was Wait. not released by Walt Disney. I- I- am I doing the wrong movie? Maybe. <laughs> you are pulling a Paul J. Powers. <laughs> Thank you very much. By doing Avengers and not <laughs> Ultimate Avengers. All right, let me get to the right one. You're welcome. All right, so info and stuff. IMDb, it has a 6.6 out of 10. is available to watch somewhere. Somewhere on the internet. Possibly illegally. Yeah, which we don't don't suggest, but you know who you are. Uh, Production was by MLG Productions, Mm -hmm. Marvel Studios, later Marvel Animation. Uh, distributed by Lionsgate, released on February 21st, 2006. Uh, it was uh, it didn't have a box office. Obviously, it's got home release. Yes. Uh, it, it had 1.5 million units for both, including Avengers 2, Rise of the Panther. Uh, they were both uh, where nah, I could talk. Where in the the top tens of film of children's films released of that year, uh, its follow up is the Invincible Iron Man. So that's all I have for an info and stuff. And you're welcome, Paul. Moving right along, <laughs> let's get into the summary. And it's a short one this week because I had to cheat. Mm. To confront an alien menace, General Fury assembles a team of superheroes led by a recently resuscitated Captain America. Again, are we doing the same? Are we it doing the wrong thing? It does sound like it. Because, it does. Because here's the thing. Normally, when I look up the summary, it is borrowed from Wikipedia's plot. Mm. Wikipedia didn't have a plot for this. They listed, they didn't give this movie a separate page. Yeah. It's listed with the rest of the Marvel animated features. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll check. There's got to be a Marvel animated wiki because there's Mm -hmm. a wiki for everything. So I looked that up and indeed there was. So I went and looked up the, uh, the plot for this movie. Now, normally when I pull it from Wikipedia, that that thing, when I copy and paste it over, it's about a page, maybe a page and a quarter page and a half at most. Right. This was nine pages. 
And I said, I am not reading this on the podcast. Nine. That is why you got the three sentence version. Okay. (laughs) Gotcha. 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 So getting into the trivia. Bucking the trend of using celebrity voices, the producers selected the cast they felt could breathe life into the characters. They wanted the audience to focus on the characters in the story, not spend the film trying to guess who was providing each voice. I'm sorry. Isn't that what all movies should be doing? Pretty much. But no, a lot of these rely on stunt casting, which annoys me. Mm. But moving on. Uh, The sequence of Captain America risking his life to stop a bomb is taken right from the pages of The Ultimates, number one. Mm -hmm. The filmmakers chose to produce Ultimate Avengers in the traditional 2D cell animation process, as opposed to the current trend of computer-generated animation. Producer Craig Kyle explained that he believed that traditional animation remains a powerful medium for conveying character emotion on screen. Mm -hmm. In the miniseries Ultimate Comics Thor, it is revealed that the axe hammer is not restricted by the worthiness test, which explains why Hulk was able to pick it up. Mm -hmm. However, this contradicts the film's trivia track, which states that there is a worthiness test on the hammer. Yeah. Let's face it. Hulk is probably innocent enough. He probably could pick it up in this universe. Maybe. I'm just what I'm going with, but moving on. Uh, The original idea was for Captain America to appear during the first Gulf War, not World War II. Writer Mark Miller reconsidered and kept Captain America's origin as it was in order to provide richer story opportunities. Yeah, that'd make make more sense, too. Mm -hmm. Iron Man concealing his identity is another departure from the comics. In the comics, Nick Fury wants Tony Stark to join the Avengers because he has a publicly recognized brand name and his new Iron Man armor might be useful to S.H.I.E.L.D. Andre Ware plays Nick Fury. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, he is played by Samuel L. Jackson, who the character is obviously modeled after. No. Ware and Jackson appear together in Die Hard with a Vengeance in 1995. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting Captain America's sweetheart in this movie is Gail Richards. Mm-hmm. She is based on the character that appeared in the 1940s Captain America movie serial. Really? Yeah. Uh, this is partially based on the Marvel comic, The Ultimates. The plot is a truncated version of the first two story arcs in the Volume 1 series. The characters of Thor, Hulk, and General Fury are watered-down versions of the Ultimates comic book characters of the same name. Captain America, Jarvis, Wasp, Giant Man, and Iron Man in the cartoon are adapted from the Avengers comic books, as well as Iron Man, Captain America, and Tales to Astonish, published from the 1960s to the early 21st century. Hmm. Which brings us to the end of trivia for this. So, Jacob, what is your first like? My first like, it's it's a fun action movie. It's mm-hmm. a fun action movie. Uh, the The action in this movie is very well done. Uh, the point where giant man and this version of Hulk uh, are going at it. And the point that like, they, they, they don't hold punches in yeah. this where it's literally be like Hulk just plows right in the giant man's knee and he collapses, mm-hmm. collapses from that impact. It's like, yeah, it's good. action. it's a good, like animation wise. It's good animation. It's good. And you know, let me, yes. let me rephrase that. It's good action animation. Okay. That's my number one. What's yours? I like that this kind of feels like, uh, it's, it's kind of somewhere, but I like that it feels like the Bruce Tim animated universe from DC. It's obviously not because different characters and different logics, but it has the same 
it feels like it has the same approach. Got it. Those series have where, yes, when the ridiculous stuff happens, we will show it. But we're taking a serious take on this and producing a high quality product that represents these characters the best we can produce them. Right. At a time when Marvel couldn't put out a movie to save its life. Because this is 2006, right? Right. When this came out. They were barely getting, I mean, Iron Man was just barely in production at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost all the rights to the Marvel comics films and live action were scattered to the winds for the most part. Mm -hmm. And then they brought these characters together. Most of them are not affected by any of those rights issues, much like the early MCU, but they where the MCU, I think fails is that I don't feel like you can take kids to a lot of these movies and not feel at least a little bit awkward. Yeah. This, I wouldn't mind some a kid seeing. Because I think it even approaches some of the hard stuff with a res- with, in a way that, that kids can understand and enjoy. Like uh, the scene where uh, Cap and uh, Nick Fury are flying over the destroyed city. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cap asks, uh, what happened down there, Uh of Nick, I don't remember how he said commander, director, yeah. whatever. He says, Did we get attacked? And he says, We uh that's what happens when a man gets hit by gamma radiation and survives. Yeah. Cause he's talking about the Hulk did all did all that. One of our heroes destroyed an entire city. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be who they have to fight at the end of this thing. Right. Spoiler alert, but the fact that they treated that with the gravitas, something like that needed. And yeah. didn't just gloss over because yeah, they mentioned that he destroyed a whole city earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's gonna be the most they're gonna bring that up because you don't do that in 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 shows from movies from this era, cartoons right. movies from this era. And then it's like, no, they show it. They show the devastation that was wrought on by the Hulk destroying an entire city because Bruce got mad for some reason, mm-hmm. got emotional. And that's in a great way leads into helps uh dr banner and the hulk's story arc throughout the whole movie yeah so yeah the fact that this movie takes itself seriously more seriously i think than the mcu does while knowing that kids are in the audience and not true. just focusing it on the man children our age true but yeah that's that's my first like mm. what's yours uh mine's gonna be more along the same lines but i do like the 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 main character story arcs is um, of Steve Rogers and uh, Dr. Bruce Banner mm-hmm. be like, their story arcs are very well done. Be like, those are the ones you primarily get a lot more story out of. You get with um, Steve Rogers, AKA Captain America uh, coming into the modern world from being, becoming a, a, a popsicle. Yeah. Uh, or a capsicle, as I call it. Uh, that was very well done. It's you know a, a man out of out of his own time, and it's it's done very well. I like how they do Bruce Banner's the Hulk story in this, mm-hmm. where it's a man who is desperately he he's he's trying to do his work, but he's trying to uh, contain the beast, but he's so conflicted with it. Yeah, and um, and taking chances he really shouldn't be. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I like I like those points in this the story. Mm-hmm. They're very well done. 
and yeah, they're good. That's my second. What's yours? My second is the fact that we actually get giant man and the wasp in this. Hmm. And they even kind of, uh, do a callback to the fact that he's originally Ant-Man for like at the very beginning when they're trying to recruit him because yeah. uh, Ant-Man was supposed to be in Avengers. Yeah. But they couldn't get the movie out in time. And, you know, it took all the way to the end of phase two for that movie to come out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I like that we were able to actually get him because Ant-Man and the Wasp were in the, in the original 1960s Avengers comics. Right some of the founding members of the Avengers. So I'm glad we actually get all of the, uh, I say all, a lot of the founding members in this. And so, and I, and I enjoyed the characters, the little, the backbiting between Nick Fury and Hank Pym. I I appreciated that was in there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought it was, that was, I love the way they handled that relationship in there. And I like how Janet can kind of put both of them in their place. Hmm nice what's your third like my third like is going to be more the realism of the storytelling kind of going back to the story there's a lot of really good storytelling in this Mm -hmm. movie um the like the fact that be like you look at the the outfits you look at the character designs you you take the 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 outfits from the mar the the comic book series yeah and it looks like literally they spray painted a character with a with a costume on mm-hmm. where these are more where the mcu mcu would take uh a lot of uh cues from is give it more realism give it more like you know what would someone who you know can run really fast what would they wear yeah what would a uh a soldier wear what would um while still giving cues back to the original comic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just giving it a different design just enough where it's, yeah, like this design and, uh, I am so baffled tonight. It's not even funny. Um, but overall be like, I do like the, I like the storytelling and I like the design of the characters to an extent. Uh, yeah, that's my third. All right. Uh, my third like on this is uh, it's Nick Fury. I mean, he is he's not Samuel L. Jackson like I'm used to. Right. But he's got enough of that feel to him. It works to the point where I'm not worried that he's going to say a certain word that you never right. want to show up. And like, I always have to think about mm-hmm. watching the. Because, you know, all the MCU movies, they're PG-13, yeah. which means they're allowed one. Mm-hmm. And if someone's going to say it, it's going to be Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson. But in this, I don't really worry about it. So you get that feel of Sam Jackson without the worry of him dropping an F-bomb. Mm-hmm. But um, it just feels like it's just handled, I think, better here in some ways. I, I like the way I like the way the Andre, Andre, Andre Ware, is that who I said his name was? The actor anyway, yeah. the voice actor. I like how he handled the character. Felt mm-hmm. like he was he had a history, even though we don't know that history yet. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated how he was handled in this. Hmm. Which is gonna bring us to our dislikes. Yes. What's your first dislike? My first dislike would be now clarify if I'm wrong, which most of the time I am wrong. Sometimes that happens. True. For the best of us. True. 
so when we get to the conclusion, mm-hmm. obviously the conclusion is between trying to calm Hulk down. Yes. And they're saying, oh, we won the day. But like, yeah, they fought the Chitauri for it's Chitauri, right? Yeah, the Chitauri. Yeah, they, they fight the Chitauri for a while. And then it just segues into, you know, Hulk raging out and they have to stop him for, you know, the time being. And then at the end of the movie, they're celebrating like, oh, we beat the Chitauri. Can you clarify? Be like, did they actually defeat the Jatari, or they just simply like they fought him for a while and then they fought the Hulk? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't really remember. I don't either. What I what I kind of gathered is they fought the Jatari for a while. Hulk Hulk's out, Mm -hmm. and I guess I think he attacked the Jatari, and then that's the last we saw of them Mm -hmm. because then the rest of it is trying to keep Hulk from destroying. Yeah, that's 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 one of my conflictions with this because they're saying be like, oh, we beat the Jatari, Jatari, be like they're they're going back. It's like you you'd be like, yeah, you fought them, but then you be like the story whipped around to the Hulk shows up. And we see nothing of like, yeah, I think we see them fly. I don't, I remember them seeing them fly away or anything. I think they flew away. I think it, it's one, it's one of those it's moments more like, like they just disappeared from the story. Yeah. Pretty much in reality. Yeah. So mine was just more conclusion. You beat the Chitari. Maybe, maybe not. You just want to put the whole fight in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my that's my first dislike. I'm gonna kind of rearrange mine because my one of mine is gonna just fall right on top of yours. Mm-hmm. The Chitari are boring villains. To an extent, yes. They are now the Chitari are the ultimate universe's version of the Kree. Yeah. The fact that the MCU technically has both, even though we haven't seen the Chitari since Avengers in any real force. Yeah. Uh is you know notwithstanding but the chitari literally it's like i don't really care who any of these chitari are i don't know they're what just the, mindless i drones. don't know what the chitari's goal is other than to be jerks to the people of the earth yeah sure they helped hydra back in the day but i mean maybe that's just they just thought he they were the stronger force and were more likely to win and was just trying to I don't know. I don't really know why the Chitari are considered really villains because they're not really that interesting. They felt like putties from Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there was there was it's a plot of they're they're trying to steal a satellite or they're trying to destroy a satellite. They're trying to destroy a sat they tried to destroy a satellite. Actually, they did destroy the satellite. Yeah. Because the satellite was gonna help them detect vibranium better. Yeah. And the vibranium, and if they could detect that, they could find where the Chitari are hiding out on Earth. Yeah. So I get why they attack, because the Chitari don't want to be found. Right. Since, you know, they are shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's like, well, that's cool and all. But you didn't give me anyone to really either yeah. feel sympathetic for with the Chitari to hate with the chitari you gave me nothing to latch on to mm-hmm. which is why and this is going to kind of bump into one of my others dislikes it's why i think the hulk is actually the villain in this if you're going to assign a villain role because right. that's who they have to defeat to finish the movie yeah but anyway yeah that's my first like is the chitari are boring villains i agree 
So kind of tying in with yours, my second dislike is definitely the the like the Hulk's conflict the entire time of Bruce Banner's conflict. It's like, oh, I can control. You finally learn to be like what he's actually doing. But obviously, you can piece it together through what he's trying yeah. to do. But you have this point where it'd be like he busts out of the container and he talks in in his uh, Hulk form, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like maybe we're gonna get like more what they did with uh, the Avengers in 2012. No, no, we don't. We just get a a raging Be- Hulk who is not. Th- he's because acting like himself. And it's like where did like you have this setup like and the nothing. It's like he had control, but somewhere between when he left the lab and when he got to the battlefield, mm-hmm. he lost control. Yeah, and that's never shown because he doesn't even talk. He's in, just in, growling. In like he's just in the standard Hulk smash kind of stuff, and not even that much. Yeah. He's just, I'm a monster. I'm going to destroy everything. Yeah, like even Betty Ross said at one point during the film, it's like, yeah, all he's going to do is try to kill everybody. I'm like, okay, that's a different departure. That's an odd choice for Dr. Banner that he wants to kill everybody. Yeah. The Hulk, I can kind of see him getting out of control and just doing whatever he can to protect himself. Yeah. And maybe he could misinterpret uh the avengers for you know the avengers uh actions actions as being hurtful towards him but they don't really show that no it was like oh he's on the battlefield the hulk is loose uh you got we gotta take him down before he destroys everybody it's like how do you know he's gonna destroy everybody yeah and also why is he going to destroy everybody because you just showed that banner had control over the hulk yeah. If you're going to take control of the Hulk away from Banner, you still have to show that. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't. It lo- it looks more like they had the idea of it. And it's like, oh, let's just get into the big fight. Get in the big fight. And I agree with you that the Zatari and General are a very boring, bland villain. Mm-hmm. And they serve basically, oh, here's our, this is what forms our team. And that's it. And it's just like, oh, we have the big fight in the end, and there seems to be no conclusion to that fight because you have the well, Hulk because shows the heel up. turned into the Hulk, and it's like, okay, the Chitauri, or what happened to them? Yeah, they're gone. Okay, that's all we need to know. Okay, yeah, pretty much. Is this going to be answered in a sequel? I don't know. Hmm. We'll figure it out. Maybe. 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 Yeah, that's my second dislike. <sighs> my second dislike is that out. There is not a major villain in the terms of how I normally think of it, because mm-hmm. when you have hero characters, which Hulk technically is a hero character, right? If we're being honest, yes, he's a rage induced machine and he's hard to keep in check because, you know, it's the whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Exactly. So. I can get I can get maybe get behind Hulk being a antagonist yeah and him being a roadblock that they have to stop and something that could perhaps escalate things into a much uh harder way to stop but honestly that's not what this movie needed that that's the problem i have with that last bit is the fact that hulk is the villain yeah but he's not a villain he he's not it's not like he's fighting loki they're fighting yeah. Loki or they're fighting, you know, Ultron or shoot. They're not even fighting Electro or one of Spider-Man's villains. Mm-hmm. They're fighting 
a fellow hero character because they didn't bother to put in an, an actual villain, recognizable villain that they could have easily used mm-hmm. to lead the Chitari. That's what Avengers does better than this. I agree. Is with Loki leading the Chitari and them being the foot, his foot soldiers, that I think really puts a better face on this attack other than, oh, there's these aliens are attacking Earth. Well, who are they? Why do they attack Earth? We don't know. We just have to stop them. What does that mean? Yeah. There is no antagonist, central antagonist in this film outside of the Chitari. That's not a villain. That's a, that's a force. Yeah. You've got to have someone to lead that force, and you never showed who was leading this force, whose idea any of this was. You didn't even get us an enemy operative to actually get get to know so that that it was actually the fight would actually have a meaning a meaning that's the thing without an actual antagonist mm-hmm. named antagonist you don't really care about who wins the fight because you know the avengers are going to because yeah. all of the chitari are red shirts yeah pretty they're much the characters who get killed to show how serious the situation is without killing any of your main cast true and when your entire villain force is red shirts that just takes out all care and then you throw the hulk into it for because the Hulk went crazy, and it's like, okay, this feels like it should have been, it should have happened before the fight. Yeah, with the Chitari, that would have made more sense. But you decided he was going to be the penultimate fight. Okay, fine. And I can't see Doctor Banner or the Hulk myself as a villain character because ultimately Dr. Banner was just trying to get control of his situation. Right. Yes. He lied to fury and essentially the entire all of shield and the U S government considering mm. he didn't do any of the tests he was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. He was focused only on trying to, well, stop the Hulk, not control it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, even if you take this film by itself, Dr. Banner and the Hulk are not really villains. Agreed. And that's what I don't like about that choice is of him being the final fight. The Chitari are the villains. There should be a Chitari villain that we're fighting. Now, I granted, I don't know the Chitari that well. I don't know if there's someone who could have taken that role or if you could have had somebody lead them like Avengers did, yeah. bringing Loki in there. But the Hulk being the last fight, the being the villain fight does, does not work for me in this instance. Fair enough. What's your third dislike? My third dislike, uh, you pinned on, you pinned on that one. The, my third, it just circled around it the entire time. So I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> Go ahead. Full circle. Be like, we've already seen a better film and it's called the Avengers. Avengers. <laughs> I think this is a good film. Do not get me yeah. wrong, but this is, this feels like it should have been, like the pilot episode of a television show. Agreed. Yeah, the it's not, but it should have been. Yeah, agreed. The the because uh, there again, this is the first time watching this film. I've obviously seen the Avengers 2012. Oh, yeah, it's and a great movie. it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. And if I would have seen this first, be like, I would have probably had be like, oh, that's a pretty good film. But when you're watching something that, like you mm-hmm. said, be like, you have the uh, protagonist of the antagonist of Loki, which draws in Thor, and like it, the not even yeah. mentioning Thor in this film, and actually giving all 
six of our Avenger characters in that movie agency. Yeah, exactly. Have it make sense as to why they finally banded together and worked together to defeat this enemy and how they're all connected into it. Yeah. Whereas this was like, you're all working for shield. Now you don't really have a choice in the matter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, there again, be like for a movie that was made in 2009, be like, it's good. Six. six. That's what I meant. Six made in 2006 was, it is good for what it is. But when you try when you, you are constantly comparing it to the 2012, the Avengers movie, which you have, have a, it's hard not to do that. It is here. very hard not to. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, but you know, the Avengers 2012 is a far better film mm-hmm. story wise. They're going to be like Jatari, like you said before, are more just red shirts. They're just there to get beat up and destroyed. They're putties, They're putties pretty much. They're putties. There, there's no main like main antagonist that we 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 latch onto that is like okay he's the baddie mm-hmm. and our characters have to defeat him otherwise the world's gonna end. It's just like oh it's just it's a it's a just a, a mob of villainy that has come upon the earth and is going to destroy the earth in which we have no there's no real evidence proven that they yeah. except they destroyed a satellite and they were working with the Nazis in World War Two right. Okay. Yeah. That was you realize like half of the American rocket program worked with the Nazis in World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> True. So <laughs> what's your point? Exactly. People make mistakes. You could have had a decent redemption arc with the Chitari if you were not going if you would actually do something with them, or you could show how evil they really were. Yeah. The Chitari have no development in this whatsoever. Yeah. I still don't know what the point of the Chitari is other than to be putties to Loki and the first Avengers movie. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So yeah, that's that's my third that's my third dislike of this film. We got a better film in 2012 called The Avengers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh my last dislike for this is that Thor, Iron Man, and Black Widow. Our scenery in this movie. That's about pretty, all they're good for. Pretty much. And I'm sitting there going, look I, look, I know Iron Man was not even at B level at this time in, in popularity. Mm-hmm. And Thor, he was the weirdo who just spoke in Shakespearean language. Not that he did that in this one. No. This one, he felt more like Aquaman <laughs> in the DC anime, DC movies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. He felt, felt really felt more like that. He he really would get along with Namor in the in the Marvel universe, uh, but and then Black Widow, yeah, she's in a lot of the movie, but she's playing Fury's secretary for most of it. Oh yeah, which pretty is much. like no, that is not Natasha Romanoff. Yeah, she she is the she is pardon my language, she's a badass. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a better term for it than that. <laughs> I, I, she agreed. Is, she agreed. is a femme fatale who a literal black who widow turned to our side. Who's working for you. Right. She is supposed to kick butt, take names, chew bubble gum, and she's out of bubble gum. That is who black widow is supposed to be for most of this film. She is Nick Fury's secretary. Now for everyone who's going to complain, that says, well, wasn't that what she was in Iron Man two in the in the in the in the MCU? She was pretty much just playing uh, 
Tony Stark's assistant. She was undercover. <laughs> she's not undercover in this. She's just doing her job, which apparently is Nick Fury's secretary. <laughs> in fact, I don't even think he called her Miss Romanoff for most of this. No. He kept calling her Natalia, <laughs> which meant for until she was in the Black Widow suit. I didn't realize that was Black Widow. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's got a secretary. That makes sense. Somebody's got to do the administrative work while he's going around and talking down the, the, the people who were given godlike superpowers. Right. Nope. She's Black Widow. No. Mm-hmm. It's, like it's kind of weird. She's in the background for like most of this film. Thor has, I think, five lines. Maybe. Maybe. Iron Man's got a little bit better story. But it's him being a jerk. Pretty much. And I'm, I don't even feel bad when his ident- secret identity gets revealed. It's like, you, dude, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I don't know why you tried to hide it from it was, S.H.I.E.L.D. It was, it was so odd. He's just like, wait a minute, this is Tony Stark, the, the, the multi-millionaire. He's a freaking genius. And he can't figure out how to reset the, the breathing apparatus in his own suit. <laughs> what has he done? Does they, he doesn't have Jarvis? He had Jarvis. They actually went with the actual Jarvis as a human butler. Yeah. Angle, which I liked. Yeah, that was interesting. That's nice to see that compared to uh, Andrew, uh, AI Jarvis that I'm more used to because mm-hmm. of the MCU. But I looked at this and thought, why are these characters here? You don't need them. They are not important to the story. You only brought them here because officially they're on the Avengers team. And they have more history than uh, Giant Man mm. and the Wasp. Yeah, they're all about the same era because they're all made in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But you, you talk to anybody even now and they say, who are the Avengers? What's the chance you're going to hear Ant-Man and the Wasp? People are going to know them because they've had movies. Mm-hmm. But they're not as big a name as Iron Man. I mean, when they made Avengers Endgame, they only had six people sign the movie at the end of it mm-hmm. a, a la star trek six and guess who was not one of them not paul rudd mm. and not whoever played the wasp whose name i can't think of right now i apologize <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get to sign it they had the six original avengers from avengers yeah sign it because oh for the most part this was a lot of their last movies mm-hmm. but <laughs> in in the mcu especially for two of them but uh Let's face it, you're just going to know Iron Man and Thor. I think even at that time, Iron Man and had a uh, animated series. It yeah. was short at this time period, but he had one. He's the only one of these characters who I think had his own animated series before this. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't owned by somebody else. The, the rights weren't owned by somebody else. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think they should have given Iron Man at least a little bit more gravitas thor you could have left out of this film for how much he was just like how much for how little he actually did he's there for so mjolnir will show up so you so those of us who know the history of the of uh, of thor will go somebody else is lifting the hammer how is hulk worthy that's the whole reason he's there yeah pretty much there's and you're and because for the rest of the film it's not even important that he lifted the hammer yeah that 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 entire scene it would have been cooler because i remember there is a scene from another comic book 
where I think it's Thanos who mm. tries to pick up the hammer, but he can't. He says, well, if I can't hit you with the hammer, I'll hit the hammer with you. <laughs> it's like, do that. That would be awesome. I want to see Hulk do puny God mm-hmm. with Thor <laughs> on the hammer. That's a lot better than him picking it up. Yes, I brought up Avengers again because... Let's face it, that's one of the most epic moments in film history. Agreed. Not just Marvel, in film history. He starts monologuing. We all knew what Loki was doing. All of a sudden, Hulk picks him up and throws him around like a ragdoll <laughs> and walks away and goes, puny God. It's like, <laughs> thank you. I love this. I love this. And then you get to this movie. It's like, hi, I am Thor. I work for Greenpeace fine it's like okay you jane foster has really gotten to you i can tell even though she's not in this film <laughs> anyway oh my how did gosh. i get on this little i don't know tantrum i didn't even mean to <laughs> this movie is not even worth getting into tantrum over because all these things i'm complaining about are for the most part extremely minor right except the, i just don't like how they treated three of my favorite characters from the mcu in this <laughs> But beside the point, I think we've reached the end of yes. our of our dislikes. So we need to talk about we need to actually rate this movie. I'm giving it a seven. A seven. I think it's very well made for and for its time, mm-hmm. for what it's adapting. Admittedly, I have not read the Ultimates book at all, so I don't know how well good an adapta- adaptation this is. Yeah. I can only really compare it to the Avengers. And while I don't think it's as good as the Avengers by a long shot, it's a pretty decent alternate version of that movie, Mm. I think. So, yeah, I I give it a seven. I'm going to go with a six. Okay. Uh, it's one of these middle of the road films. Be like, you can watch it. It's like, oh, okay. Be like, let me get on Disney plus. Where's, you know, the Avengers where you watch that. I wish it was on Disney plus. Which all these films run. No, the uh, no, the Avengers. Oh, the original Avengers. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes no, yes, no, 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 no. I'm talking about that. Be like, not this Avengers. The live action Avengers with starring Robert Downey Jr. and all the cast and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Evans and Mark Ruffalo. Right. Crap. Yeah, I can't think of their names. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston. Why can I remember Loki faster than I can remember Black Widow or Hawkeye? <laughs> I can live with Hawkeye not being in this film, by the way, because I didn't even realize Hawkeye wasn't in it till like near the end. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this version just didn't have Hawkeye in the adaptation. That's fine. All right. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely giving it a six. It has there again one of these middle of the road films. It has has some good animation, has some good fight scenes. Uh, it's uh, like a very muddled story. Like, yeah, it'd be like, oh, Captain America. Like, we haven't heard this story a thousand times. But it's it's done well. It's kind of just meh. The 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 third act is kind of like most of like the second and third act are kind of messes. Uh, its conclusion is a mess. Uh, because we 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 don't get a, a solid conclusion to the chart char, chart Chatari. We don't get a we don't get a solid uh, conclusion to that. We get this Hulk or any who, explanation for that matter. True. Uh, we get we get Hulk who be like, oh, I'm cured. I can talk in the whole bit. And the next thing you know, he's raging out trying to kill everybody else. 
that makes no sense. And they were like, uh, the end of the movie, yay, we beat Sorry. It's like, uh, we didn't see you beat them. We see you somewhat beat the Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Uh, yeah, this like the the second and third actor muddled. It's just like, okay, you're a, you're a decent film. You could have done a lot better, and plus they made a better film a couple of years later. Yeah, so yeah, I'm giving this movie a six. There's a part of me I want to give it a lesser, but meh. Right. Uh, next week we are reviewing 100% Wolf. I have no idea what this is. It's on Hulu. I do not doubt you, but I have no idea what this is. <laughs> it's I've seen the trailer. Is it to about it? a wolf? Kind of. Who is a hundred percent? To to give you a small, the, the, if he's a werewolf, that technically makes him fifty percent. No, 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 no. He's he's a wolf, or, or no, no, no. He's a werewolf. It's werewolves. And it's a bunch it's, of fifty percent wolves. Uh, let me explain. Let me explain. <laughs> so in the trailer, it's this boy, this boy who is, he's got, you know, a, a lichen where uh lineage, all of his ancestors are werewolves. And uh, so it's like the, 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 the year in which she becomes a werewolf. And uh, yeah, shenanigans go on from there according to the trailer. Okay. So I'm like, that sounds like fun. He doesn't turn into a werewolf. <laughs> He's already a werewolf. Or he doesn't turn into a wolf. <laughs> he turns into another kind of... Uh, but that makes the movie a lie if he's not 100% wolf. We'll figure it out when we watch it. You're going to tell me like turns into like a giant pink elephant named Bing Bong? No. <laughs> Pink's close. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get back to that when we get there, when we get there. But yeah. for now... We need to jump into the uh, uh, reviews of Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. And the masters of the universe. First episode tonight is Day of the Animals, directed by Tom Caulfield and written by Jace Rickey. Summary for this one is that Max Pascal and the other two animals, who they didn't bother to name in this, <laughs> but we know are as Rudiger and Hamuel, mm-hmm. must rescue Rapunzel and the gang from being trapped forever in a magical prison. Yeah. Guest cast includes Jeremy Jordan as Varian, Vivian Vincer as Kiera, Ruby J as Catalina and D Bradley Baker as Dwayne. <laughs> the horrible, horrible thief. Yes. And I don't mean that he's bad at be- bad, a bad thief. He's just bad at being a thief. thief. Yeah. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Dwayne appear before this episode? I 
think because so. Because I don't remember him. I, I think he's either in season one. He's obviously in season one or season two. Because I remember he's brief in there. Because I remember they talk about a Dwayne. I, I just did not remember this character. Mm. So I thought D. Bradley Baker did a good job. He did. Him, but he did. Agreed. Anyway, trivia for this. This is the only Pascal focused episode that does have his name in the title course this is likely was the role is equally shared with the other animals in the group uh in this episode kira breaks the fourth wall when she asks rapunzel varian and catalina if they saw what happened see what happened to Dwayne at the end of the show uh somehow varian knew about kira and catalina's thieving days when the latter two stole from tons of people during the season one episode big brothers of corona even though the former wasn't shown when it happened Mm. uh he does but he doesn't mention that Rapunzel helped him steal the sundrop flower from the Royal vault during the season one episode, the alchemist returns. Uh, Varian's bag disappeared for a couple scenes after he, Rapunzel, Kiera and Catalina are sucked into the magical shell shaped pendant. Yeah. However, Varian's bag did reappear when he, Rapunzel, Kiera and Catalina are freed from the pendant. So I guess it just went into hammer space. Yeah. And uh, when Kiera, Rapunzel, Varian, and Catalina are walking, Catalina has Scully at the end of the episode. That was funny. I love Scully. Yeah, Scully is funny. It's like, I expected them to find like the remains of someone, of the, the person who stole it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting her to turn him into a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bird anyway. It was so. a parrot. It was the pirate's parrot. Because you saw the pirate in there too. Yeah. But it's only like in the background and only if you're really paying attention do you actually see it. And then she comes across the parrot and I'm like, oh, that was what I saw. It, we didn't see a skeleton. We saw his the pirate hat. Yeah, so the hat. So the hat. Because it's, it's like very kind of like it's there, but it's not in your face. Yeah. And then she pulls up the, the, the parrot skeleton. I go, ah! And then she's like, oh, this is Scully now. Where's Mulder? <laughs> Sorry, I had to make the joke. True. Um, he'll be in the next episode. <laughs> That's where he should have showed up anyway. Uh, I like this episode. It was kind of fun. It was not like super serious, heavy, right? story heavy, but it was just a nice little, I wouldn't call it filler, but it was a nice reprieve from some of the other darker storylines that we've I gotcha. had this se- season so far. Yeah. But... Uh, it was just kind of a, uh, your filler go to let's watch the animals kind of, you know, Mo Larry and Curly this thing. Yeah, pretty much. For and reference, Max is Mo, Pascal is Larry, and Rudiger is Curly. Yeah. Whereas Hamuel is definitely Joe, who nobody likes. <laughs> even even Shemp in- did not get a representation. <laughs> Like even even the fact to be like uh, at one point where they're 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 the, obviously the the group is trapped in the 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 gym or whatever this thing is called, and uh, they're they're like oh um, Pascal can do this and Maximus can do this yes. and Ruder can do this and be like, like does anyone want to say something about the dumb bird? <laughs> no, that was that was the first time she said. Uh, and the last one, I, the one I liked was like, I noticed you didn't say anything about Hamuel. You for, I, no, I start. I noticed you forgot to say anything about Hamuel, and Rapunzel says, "I didn't forget." <laughs> forget that was great. It's like, wow, oh. Hamuel gets no respect. <laughs> Rapunzel, good night. <laughs> oh, but yeah, this was just a fun episode. It was a fun little episode. It was it was good to see 
like different characters besides Pascal or, or Max. Yes. And we get this little this little mismatched tag, you know, tag team. because uh, be like Rudiker is a cool little character, and you get all the little psyche characters mm-hmm. to get together and they get to save the day. And uh with our main characters who are trapped in a bottle in, in a sense, and they have to discover which way in their the the way they just pull Dwayne around like no one's business is hilarious. Oh, poor Dwayne stuck up on that vulture nest, forced to eat worms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and trying to figure out what the so so whatever that word you were trying to use trying to say earlier. <laughs> subconscious so subconscious yeah yes he couldn't even know what that word meant it's like i was like poor bloke it's like subconscious is a tough word for a kid's show you could have gone with i am your conscience and that would still he's like what conscience i don't have a conscience what are you talking about am i conscious you could even made a joke where it's like he sees a cricket mm-hmm and he assumes it's the cricket talking to him. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been funny. That would have been because Pinocchio yeah. did was in the movie. Yeah, as a cameo. Yeah, and it's Disney. They can so Disney, they, sh- they could have just had him see a cricket and assume the cricket was talking. That would have been funny. Yes, but that's not where they went. Ah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, you want to jump into the next one? Yeah, let's jump to the next. Okay, one. Okay. Next episode is "Be Very Afraid," directed by Philip Pignotti and written by Jeremy Ship. Uh, in this episode, when Corona is overcome by a new strain of rocks that induces fearful visions, Rapunzel teams up with Varian to put an end to the new threat. Guest cast includes Jeremy Jordan as Varian, Jonathan Banks as Quirin, Jennifer Veal as Enchanted Girl, Richard Kind as Monty, Vivian Vencer as Kiera, Ruby J as Catalina, Suzanne Blakesley as Old Lady Crowley, Peter Manic- Man- Mancy Cole as Nigel. Sorry. Steve Bloom as Attila, Charles Halford as Vlad, Keith Ferguson as additional voices, Max Mitchell as additional voices, and Chris Sonnenberg, the executive producer for this show, has a cameo as additional voices. Really? And I swear, if I could have found out that he was the one who was voicing Clown Spider, I would be a very happy man. Oh my god! But I couldn't find word one on who voiced Clown Spider. I really hoped it was him. Oh my gosh. Even I the, love that design. Even the Tangled Wiki does not get into it. It just says, oh, Chris Sonnenberg, he was the executive producer. It's like, but who did he voice in this one episode? I want to know. I really hope it's Clown Spider. <laughs> now I want to draw that character because it's a really, really <laughs> well done sp- spider design. With and Lance is scared to death of him. <laughs> well, when you think about it, we knew he was afraid of spiders. Yeah. From, you know, season two. two. And he's afraid of clowns. Fair enough. A lot of people are. Yeah. What is scarier to this pe- someone who's both afraid of spiders and clowns than to see them as one being? Yeek. And he's telling you to sing. Sing. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. So funny story. But, I, I wanna, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'll get into the trivia. Okay. So funny story. So I had a friend years ago. She worked at Birch Brothers for the longest time. And she would tell me, like, her worst fear was... um clowns she was scared to death of clowns she told her you knew one <laughs> no because I, I think this was very brave for her to do that yeah so during how the halloween season towards the end of the month we're allowed to dress up as a character that isn't a scary character and so well, my, my, my technical definition 
So my, my friend Jill, who's probably like five one, five two. So she decided to dress up as a clown of all characters. Mm. <laughs> and so she's getting ready for the day and she looks at herself in the mirror. She scares herself. <laughs> And I, I'll be like, I recall seeing that because I saw her and her son the other day, and I was just like, oh my gosh, you dress as a clown. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, just the whole bit would be like, you know, she, well, a clown. She, she was very good natured about it, and maybe that was part of her facing her fears. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So we continue. Getting into the trivia. Lord Demantius, Lord Demantius, however you say this guy's name, Demantius. was mentioned for the first time since inhabiting the body of Vigor the Visionary during the episode Lost and Found. Uh-huh. The episode title is from a well-known saying to negative feelings of fright and terror. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Eek. Lance is revealed to have cholerophobia, which I believe is the fear of Public clowns. As well as the fear of singing publicly. Yes. On top of his already established arachnophobia. Mm-hmm. He overcomes his fear of singing by the end of the episode, but his other two phobias are left up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. When Varian and Rapunzel at Demanitus's Demant- Dem- chamber, she touches the red rocks. Rapunzel's eyes are shown in that scene instead of green. Also, uh, her eyes are brown. But when Varian asks her to give him a lift, and when she... This is worded very weird. It is. Uh, plus, when Rapunzel shows Varian a drawing of him being terrified, one of her eyes are brown. Basically, her eyes don't say the same color, and I noticed that throughout most of the episode. I agree with you. They were different. I wondered if that was on purpose because uh, of the, the red rocks influence, because she's Sundrop. She's the embodiment of the Sundrop, yeah. and her powers are essentially being threatened by the, the red rocks. Possibly. Which I keep thinking is, isn't that where concerts are held in Colorado? Yeah, Red Rock. But anyway, uh, when Varian is at home, entering Corona to search for Rudiger, this worded weird, uh, he con- and he constant. Basically, his backpack disappears a lot. It does. There's a lot of, <laughs> like, in these two episodes, there's a lot of appearing and disappearing objects. Yes. And discolored eyes. Indeed. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to. Leave it at that, because yeah. who cares about his hair disappearing? <laughs> Two bits of it. But uh, yeah, I liked this episode. It was a good episode. This was, this was one where I re- when I read the description of it before the episode started, I thought, okay, so this is going to be, you know, she's uh, Cassandra's going to set something up that's just going to be your standard, oh, no, our fears are coming to, uh, to life kind of episode. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is what it is, but the fact that we actually went into the whole, oh yeah, we there is actually a lot of decent story there that is. happens in here. For one thing, this is the first real character development we've had for Varian since the beginning of this season, mm-hmm. and even that wasn't a whole lot. True, because uh, he's now dealing with the, his fear in this episode is seeing his dad uh, get you know caught up by that amber and, and everybody hating him, and the fact that his the concoction that he has that's going to stop this mm-hmm. is that same amber. Yeah. Assuming he can get it to the one remaining black rock. Which was very convenient. <laughs> very convenient that it happened to be right there. Um, but the fact that they had to go all the way to Demantius's room, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that was when Varian got mad. I, I, this, was, this was one of the things I found interesting. This entire episode is like, hey, Varian, when you screwed up 
and you got mad at Rapunzel and swore revenge on Corona for literally no good reason. This is what you missed out on. You missed seeing Demantius's room and giant device. You also got to m- miss out on meeting Demantius. He was a monkey, but still. Yeah. You got to miss out on a lot of stuff. So if you'd have just been the good guy you were supposed to be from the beginning of mm-hmm. this thing, you wouldn't have had these problems. True. You done screwed up, but you know what? We do forgive you yeah. because you actually do a lot of good job and we actually actually like him in this episode. Yeah. Then very well. And I love how Rapunzel kind of, you can tell she's on edge because mm-hmm. she's not her bubbly self, but she's trying to be. Oh, yeah. You can kind of tell that she's, she is facing fears at the same time, but at the same time, she's kind of way. It, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Spire episode. Yeah. Where she's trying. Oh, yeah. Not to, be, to rip, you know, rip someone's head rip, off. To rip, to rip, her, her, rip her head off. But <laughs> she's having a hard time. And this is, she's holding her emotions back. It's like, I'm not scared. We have a job to do. And I'm going to try and be happy about it. And the fact that I'm actually doing a good enough job that it's putting Varian at ease is helpful, but I'm still going to have to tell him, it's like, yeah, here's the thing, Varian. I have fears too. And what I'm seeing with these red rocks are showing me is the entire kingdom being destroyed. But worse than that for me personally is I'm going to lose my best friend, Cassandra. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Thank you for reminding us that you are still worried about that. Cause it's been coming up a lot. Yeah, it is. But it's like, this really is where it felt like at home where it's like, there is a real chance they could lose Cassandra. Yeah. And that little moment where they can sense each other through the rock. That was good. That was very good. And it, it does make me wonder despite what enchanted girl, girl. keeps mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. I, I think I know who this character is, but I'm keeping my mouth shut. Okay. Um, despite what she keeps telling Cassandra, I don't think Cassandra fully believes her either, even though I've, she will probably fall to the dark side before the end of this season Possibly. and need a little bit of redemption. Yeah. But a little more, a little more redemption than she's got right now. I yeah. I, I suspect she's going to get to the brink of almost killing Rapunzel. At some Possibly. Point. Possibly. No, son. Tyrion's going to destroy everything by the end of this series. It's just, when is he going to make himself or herself known? Mm-hmm. Just a little, yeah, he's as to what I think. Right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you have anything else to add for this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it. Be like there again. It does deal with the the fears of our characters, and I, I like that they be like it, it does dive into more of uh, variance fears, and I enjoy that. Uh, definitely when we we're touching home with the uh, the fears that Rapunzel's has, and the poor Rudiger. All I guess he's poor, poor Rudiger. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, I had a flashback to one of the last episodes we released when we were releasing these single, uh, these uh, TAS episodes uh, in separate episodes. Mm-hmm. One of them I literally called Poor Rudiger. And this entire episode, these, both of the, throughout both of these episodes, I was going, Poor Rudiger. Yeah, he literally just becomes a, like a red statue. <laughs> yeah, it's like, huh, red shirts. Except I don't want him to die. <laughs> Um, we don't we we want them to not die well, it's not like we want the red shirts to die anyway but right right right, like, right uh y'all better hurry because the red shirts are on are, are active they're very active right now uh-huh but anyway yeah this is a, this is a good story this is very well done definitely when uh uh lance 
when he when they're getting ready for the the, the talent show and he's yes. like he's he's overcoming his fears and he gets into his song which is like really really catchy little yeah, song and it's been a while since we've had a song yeah it's good i mean like it, it kind of and the idea that like it's trying to beat back the fear yes and uh in real life that's really hard that is really hard definitely when you're having a harder time mm-hmm. and uh yeah one of the other things i liked about this is when we see some of the other people's fears like we brought up clown spider mm-hmm. because that's just a hilarious image yes and it's done very well but there's also a couple other things like mm-hmm. the uh th- that one handmaiden that oh yeah uh tr- that uh rapunzel tried out uh-huh uh sees old lady crowley with fairy wings oh my gosh that like, one ah, that's interesting and there's a couple other weird ones like uh oh let's not forget the moment when feldspar went super saiyan during the song i forgot that part because <laughs> i was looking at that going did i know this is a song and so the visuals are not literal uh-huh but did feldspar the, the shoemaker literally just go super saiyan and do a kamehameha at this wart covered foot to put shoes on it oh gosh <laughs> wow also kudos to uh eigelhart is his last name james monroe eigelhart who yeah. voices uh uh strong lance for his singing he did a very oh, good yeah. job and i did not realize i don't think he's really sung he in has the show up it's, to this it's point more like uh he has but it's, it's more like background yeah it's in bit parts it's not like really putting him out there and so the minute he goes into that whole figaro part i thought mm-hmm. holy crap they hired an opera singer and didn't realize it till this episode <laughs> and now they're gonna give him the whole song because they have to at this point uh-huh wow so yeah i will i will throw that out there that was nice uh yeah anything besides that Mm, nope except for that face yeah (laughs) clown spider clown spider from this episode yes Uh, like it's a very well done episode Mm -hmm. and the next episode is really good i can't remember what the next episode after that but i know it's really good because they they continue this path down Mm -hmm. be like where is Cassandra going uh in her 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 revenge or whatever because how the uh the uh finding her destiny yeah finding your destiny finding Which, her the, power the fact that because i think don't correct me if i'm wrong this is really the first part time they actually went into why cassandra did what she did that was not her kind of bravado-ish yeah not her putting up a face to face down rapunzel yeah this is the first time where she was honest, like, yeah, this the whole reason you did any of this was because you didn't have a destiny and you wanted one because you mm-hmm. were tired of being second fiddle. Yeah. And your destiny is now is going to be to take out Rapunzel. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they actually use the word kill. Destroy. They said destroy, which is censor safe words for kill. Yeah. So it's like you actually are explained where this is going to have to go in order for all this to go down the way the villain wants it to. Mm hmm okay yeah uh i do say there's there was one thing like after watching this because i'm watching this while i'm doing my notes i, I noticed that like the the animation style was a little different this time around i mean like when it comes to like uh we were the, back in the money shots from like the beginning of this season uh-huh. the last couple episodes have been your standard animation yeah. animation style great we're not saying the artwork or the art styles change it's just how the approach to the actual animation is yes yeah. is a lot more 
stylistic and get you kind of stuff. It's yeah. Very cinematic. Yeah. It's very cinematic. I noticed like whenever like Cassandra, she's on the ground, she's kind of huddled over when she picks up, be like, it's almost like the, like the, um, the framing in which the character picked up was it looked a little taller. So her character mm-hmm. looks a little taller in the, in the shot. So I don't know if that was intentional or it's just my observation that it seemed maybe in one or two scenes, she seemed the Cassandra seemed a little taller. Well, what is she wearing more uh, uh, stone boots now or uh, moon boots? <laughs> I suspect that her suit is sli- her, her, her costume as, uh, the Moonstone avatar is slowly growing and perhaps it got a little more stiletto-y. Maybe. That's a better word for me. She's heading towards that full Disney evil queen yeah. kind of look, even though we kind of hope she doesn't get there. Mm. But uh, yeah, we only have 11 episodes left Wow, of this show. So fo- folks, 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 you're listening to this and it is before October of 2022 you need to go onto our facebook page or into the cell nation facebook group Mm -hmm. and vote for our next show currently star trek lower deck seasons two and three is winning but you can also pick uh batman x-men the animated series uh neon genesis evangelion Mm -hmm. or gravity falls that's right so if you want one of rather us hit one of those next along with Star Trek Lower Deck Season 2 and 3, go vote on that mm-hmm. right now because we need we we are probably going to close on that before the end of September. Yeah. So go vote right now. Uh, but other than that, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at cast underscore cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.
city's trash when you take your bow. We'll blame you then, but you're good for now. Avengers unite, cause we've got to hear you say. I could do this all day. I could do this all day.